0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew 8. This morning we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 8 starting in verse 18 down through verse 27. And I mentioned to one of our admins in the office this week that it's very common, a very common occurrence that as I'm preparing to preach through a passage of scripture, so often I find myself struggling in that very area uh, where I am focusing my attention in the word. And the last couple of weeks I have been in a couple of areas really trying to grasp for peace in my life. And here I'm faced with a passage that reminds me in such a distinct and poignant way that peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, so I appreciate Pastor Brian and the team's ministry to us already this morning. And now we turn to God's word. And I'm just going to pray and ask him to use it. Father, I pray that you'd use your word in my life. In all of our lives here this morning. That we would be reminded that peace is found in a person. The person Jesus Christ. Take your word and use it in each of our lives today, including mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've noted in our study in Matthew so far that, that Jesus was really about three areas of ministry. Jesus preached. And we saw in Preaching in his message. Detailed for us in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. From that time Jesus began to preach and say. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And by that Jesus was calling his listeners. To stop walking away from him. And turn the tired direction of their life around. And come to Jesus. Placing their faith in him. Believing that he is God. Jesus is going to go on in his teaching ministry. So he preached and he also taught. And in Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7. This summer we saw that his teaching really was all about the kingdom as well. And the fact that so many people are on what Jesus calls a broad path or a broad road. Thinking that they can be right with God by what they do. Maybe they feel like they're a pretty good person. Thinking that they can be right with God because they're active in serving others. Or maybe they're active in gathering with God's people. And Jesus says that all those people on that broad path are actually on a path or a road to destruction. Because there's only one way to enter God's kingdom. And that's through the narrow gate and by that Jesus is referring to himself that he's the narrow gate and we're going to see as the gospel unfolds that in order to enter through the narrow gate one must believe that Jesus is God and that he goes to the cross sinless as the God man pays the price for sin on the cross by dying in our stead and rises from the dead proving his claim to be God so Jesus preached. He taught. And last week in chapter 8 verses 1 through 17. We saw he carried on a variety of healing ministries. And, and delivering people from bondage to disease. To illness. To demons. All of what Jesus did. In his preaching. In his teaching. In his healing. Was aimed at showing people that he Is the Messiah. And when we use the word Messiah. We are talking very specifically. uh, About that Hebrew term. That it means the anointed one. And it goes clear back to 2 Samuel 7. When God promised David. That his descendant. Would sit on David's throne forever. Over a kingdom that will last forever. That is marked by justice and righteousness. And this one. This anointed king. This descendant of David. Would be known as the son of God. And Jesus in his preaching. And his teaching. And his miracles. Is showing. He is that Messiah. The Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah is Christ. That he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. Well as Jesus has been carrying on this ministry. Healing people. Preaching and teaching. There is quite a large mass of people that surround him. And we are going to see in the passage that we read this morning. That this large crowd gathers around him. And it looks like many of them are going to want to follow him. But Jesus has a message. And his message to these would be followers is very simple. Following Jesus is not comfortable. Following Jesus is not comfortable. I'm going to read the verses out loud. Starting in Matthew 8 verse 18. You can follow along in your copy of the text. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him. He gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came and said to him. Teacher. I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their dead, their own dead. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him saying save us Lord we're perishing. He said to them why are you afraid? You men of little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the sea. And it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed. And said what kind of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him following jesus is not comfortable about a year and a half ago i had the privilege of performing a funeral for one of my best friends he was one of my old hunting buddies his name was paul carlston paul was a good guy very active in his community very active in, in the church where he was baptized Thought he was a good guy because of everything that he did. And he was active in church. Thought he was right with God. One afternoon, a young pastor in the town, a guy named Earl Eveland, Came out to help Paul dress chickens. Now if you're from Iowa, you know what it means to dress chickens. It's to butcher chickens. But... Maybe if you're from New York City you might think he came out to put little hats on them or something. But he came out to butcher chickens. To dress chickens. And as they were dressing chickens Earl Evelyn shared with Paul Carlstedt The good news of Jesus Christ. That none of us are right with God because all of us are sin. And none of us can fix that in and of ourselves. That Jesus is God and lived a sinless life here on earth. And died on the cross to pay all the penalty for the sin of all the earth. All people. All humanity. And then rose again from the dead. Proving that he's God. And when we put our faith in him. Our trust in him. His payment for sin is credited to the account of our lives. And Paul put his trust in Jesus that day. But Paul soon learned. That to be a follower of Jesus. Is not comfortable. Came from a large family. I think he had like 11 siblings. And they all lived in the community. All went to the same church. And they disowned him. Immediately disowned him. Literally would not speak to Paul. Would not speak to his wife. They had nothing to do with them. Nothing to do with Paul. His wife June. Grandchildren. Nothing. Following Jesus. Is not always comfortable. As I preached Paul's funeral. The room was packed. And it was packed with people. Whose lives. Paul had touched. For Jesus Christ. And over on the side. Was a young man and his wife. And two little children. His name was Dennis. I can remember Dennis in high school. Dennis was trouble. Came from a mess of a household. And parents were both alcoholics and it was just an abusive messed up situation and they were going to move and and dennis was going to have to go with them to who knows where and paul said to dennis dennis why don't you just move in with june and me and dennis did paul one night had to go bail dennis out of jail one morning June opened up the deep freeze. And there were two dead coons in there. Because Dennis had gone out trapping. And had to get to school. And didn't have time to skin the coons. So he just laid them in the freezer. Paul took a little bit of. Uh, June didn't like that. <laughs> but you know what? Years later. Dennis was sitting there at Paul's funeral. Now a believer in Jesus Christ. With a godly wife. And two children. Active in his local church. And I could just go around that room. And just tell story after story. Of people whose lives were touched by Paul. A dairy farmer. Who thought he was good with God. Until Earl Evelyn. Shared the good news of Jesus with him. And Paul realized. That he needed to put his trust in Jesus. And start out. A lifelong journey. Of being Jesus' disciple. But Jesus wants us to know. That being his disciple. Is not always comfortable. And so we find here. As we come to verse 18. The crowds are around him. It looks like there is going to be. All kinds of people following Jesus. And he's, he, he tells the disciples, let's get in this boat, let's get away from the crowds for a little bit, let's go to the other side of the sea. But before they do, two followers approach him. The second one is, is called a disciple here. Now remember with me that sometimes when the Bible refers to someone as a disciple, it's just talking about the curious. In fact, in John, Chapter 6 verse 66. There were a lot of curious disciples. But when they really became aware. Of what Jesus message was. They fell away. And verse 66 says. As a result of this. Many of his disciples withdrew. And were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12. Do you want to go away also? So to become a true follower of Jesus. One must put his or her trust in him. As we come to the full end of the book of Matthew. To be his disciple. One must believe that he is God. That he dies on the cross as payment for sin. And rises from the dead. Here we have two that come to him. And they are going to say I am going to follow you. And Jesus right from the front says. "Uh, Just remember this. Following me. Is not comfortable. The first one comes. In verse 19. It calls him a scribe. That would be a person. That is an expert in the Old Testament law. A teacher of the law. He knows the Old Testament. He teaches it to others. And he comes to Jesus and says. Teacher I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 19. But Jesus, being the God man, knows what's in this man's heart. He knows there's ulterior motives and Jesus simply says to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, following me is not comfortable. I want to make a note about Jesus calling himself the son of man this is the first time it's recorded for us in Matthew it's in a very important title that Jesus uses predominantly uses of himself a couple of places other people call him that but predominantly Jesus calls himself the son of man in fact 29 times in Matthew. Matthew records it. Mark records 14 times. Luke records 24 times. John records 13 times. Matthew records it 29 times. More than any other gospel writer. And in that title. Jesus in a veiled way. Is Revealing the fact that he is the God man, that he is the Messiah. Sometimes he uses that term to refer to himself as he's going to come at the end of the age. Sometimes he uses the title Son of Man to refer to the fact that he's going to the cross. Sometimes he uses the title Son of Man to simply refer to him doing ministry. But the Son of Man is a title that is a veiled way of showing he is the Messiah. Now this scribe, this teacher of the law should have recognized the title because it comes right out of the Old Testament. And in Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 is a clear reference to Messiah being called the Son of Man. Verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days, referring to the father and was presented before him and to him was given dominion, glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. It's the kingdom. We've been talking about the kingdom. And here the one who will reign over the kingdom. The Messiah is called the son of man. And Jesus says you want to follow me. It's not comfortable. The son of man has no place to rest his head. And by it Jesus is saying he is the God man. By it he is saying I am the Messiah. I am God's son. And he has the authority of the son of God a second follower comes a disciple in verse 21 says another of the disciples said to him Lord permit me first to go and bury my father but Jesus said to him follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead meaning let the spiritually dead bury the physical dead And what Jesus was saying to this man. And once again knowing his heart. Was that he knew that this man said. I will follow you but I have contingencies. I have exclusions. It's like I'm going to write a real estate contract. But in my contract I've got these exclusions. I will do this except I'm reserving this for me. I'm reserving this for me. I will hold this back. I will follow you except in these three areas. And Jesus tells this man, you can't even put your nuclear family above God. You see, Jesus is saying to be his committed follower. Is not comfortable. One of my favorite books is a book entitled Undaunted Courage. It's authored by Stephen Ambrose and it's the account of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Fascinating book. And one of the reasons why I like it is that Ambrose takes journal entries from different ones who were on the excursion and weaves them together in a, in a very readable way that just makes you feel like you're there. What's especially meaningful to me is I've lived in places that are talked about in the book. I mean, I grew up in Council Bluffs. The expedition went right up the Missouri. I lived in North Dakota. Oh, they hated North Dakota. They hated North Dakota because North Dakota is home of the mosquito. I mean, we've got mosquitoes up in North Dakota that makes Iowa mosquitoes look like little itty-bitty skeeters. I mean, North Dakota has the healthiest mosquitoes in the nation we have so many mosquitoes when i lived in north dakota that in the town we lived in the evenings they'd take a pickup and they'd pull this machine through town trying to spray them just to keep them down it is mosquito heaven in north dakota think about the lewis and clark expedition they didn't have any deet they didn't have any off they didn't have any of that nice mosquito netting to put over themselves They were like a buffet meal with a come eat sign on their back. And the Skeeters came. They were miserable. On top of that. You know what the main thing that they ate was. I mean once in a while they had some good buffalo and things. But most of the time they ate lard mixed with oatmeal. Ooh, Doesn't that sound good? Here's even the better thing. At night, and if you don't know what lard is, it's basically fat. So it's big chunks of fat cooked down with oatmeal in it. And the good thing is, for breakfast, they got to eat it cold. Yum. Hey, can we have some more of that cold lard with oatmeal in it? I'm just really craving it. Now, when they had sign-ups to go on the excursion... Do you think any of the people came up and these guys said, hey, by the way, am I going to be comfortable? Uh, no. You're not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be a comfortable journey. And Jesus, right out of the chute, you want to be my follower? It's not comfortable. There's no place for I will follow you. Except I'm going to hold back these contingencies. If you want to keep your finger in Matthew 8. And turn over with me to Romans chapter 12 verse 1. One of the key passages in the New Testament. About following after Jesus. Romans 12:1 has so much truth in it. We could do an entire sermon series on one verse. The first word is therefore, meaning Paul's saying everything that I've said in chapters 1 through 11, now here's how we're going to apply it. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, and by that, the apostle Paul means by everything that Jesus Christ has done for you and for me in dying for you and for me on the cross. Everything that he has done by his mercy and his grace to save you out of your lost plight, to give you new life and hope and peace and forgiveness. Everything that he's done, I'm urging you by that truth to present your Bodies. And by that, the apostle Paul means every aspect of your life. No contingencies, no areas of our life reserved, saying, well, you can, God, you can have everything except this part of me. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, meaning completely set apart to God. You want to be my disciple? Jesus says it's not comfortable. The Apostle Paul says you want to be his disciple. Here's how you do it. Present your all. Meaning I'm all in. Following Jesus Christ. We begin that journey by putting our trust in him. Believing that he is God who died for me and rose again. The journey doesn't stop there. The journey continues. Yes I'm a Christian. Yes I'm going to heaven. But the journey continues. If I really want to follow after Jesus. Being completely committed to him in my life. A committed disciple. It requires me. To be all in. And when we look at this example. Of these two followers of Jesus. It's important for us. To ask ourselves some questions. Like. Where is Jesus seeking me right now to be his follower? Am I stepping out of my comfort zone in any area of my life? I guarantee you, if you are following after Jesus all in, there will be times when you step out of your comfort zone. One of the things that I probably over the last two years... Have really been making it a matter of my own personal prayer life is that God would use me, not just Faith Bible Church, but me as an instrument to help men and women and boys and girls come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And when we do that, when we really come to Him and say, I'm all in, it's going to take us places where we're not comfortable. And maybe he's asking you to follow him in a different area. And that's great. That's where he's working on me. Wherever he's trying to take you. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. If he's taking you on a journey like me. To spend more time with people who don't know Jesus. That's uncomfortable. I can't tell you how uncomfortable it is sometimes. Because. Isn't it a lot easier for us to want to spend time with people who love Jesus Christ? I mean, that's fun. That's a joy. How about spending time with people who are walking away from him? It's uncomfortable. It's hard. And Jesus is asking each and every one of us as his followers to be all in. With whatever era he's asking you. The other thing we need to ask ourselves is. Do I have any exclusions? Have I said to Jesus. I'll follow you except in this area of my life. Or this area of my life. There's no room for exclusions. There's no room for us to write in a restriction. In the contract with Jesus. He's asking us to follow him all in. Well as Matthew Records these verses for us. It's not by mistake that he includes for us the account of Jesus in the boat with the disciples because it's all about peace. Jesus has already told disciples that if you're going to follow me, it's not going to be comfortable. Well, how do I do that? I'm going to set out on this journey following you and yet It's, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be hard. How do I do that? How do I have any sense of peace in my life if I'm going to do, if I'm going to face difficulty? And Jesus gives us one of the most poignant pictures of peace in the scripture right here in these verses. And we're going to see that our lack of peace is a result of our not seeing who he truly is. Not recognizing that he is the son of God, the all powerful, almighty son of God who loves you so much. Who loves me so much that he was willing to die for me. So after Jesus talks with these two guys. He invites the disciples to get in a boat. And we're going to see that to have peace and to follow Jesus. Requires reminders of who he is. And that's what they're going to get right here. Verse 23 picks it up where verse 18 left off and it says when he got into the boat his disciples followed him and behold there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being covered with the waves but Jesus himself was asleep. I mean this is a storm. And the Greek text, the Greek Bible, uh, shows with the verb that it uses that these waves just keep hitting and hitting and hitting. They keep going over the boat. There's no bilge pump. This boat's getting water. It's taking on water. And the disciples are fearful for their lives. We're going to die. This boat's going to sink. There's no life raft. There's no uh, OSHA approved life vest. They are going to die. They're fearful. They're frightened. They're scared to death. And Jesus is asleep. In fact, there's a particular word here. It says that in verse 24. But Jesus himself was asleep. And there's a special word that just shows That he's the only one sleeping. And just put yourself in that boat. How fearful it would be. I mean I've been out. On a big lake. In the boundary waters with high waves. And it's a little scary. These guys. They think they are going to die. But Jesus. Is sound asleep. And they cry out. Save us. And the next thing they say. Is we are perishing. Jesus awakens. And says. Why are you afraid. You men of little faith. It is interesting to see. What Jesus does there. He pits fear. And faith. Against each other. Either fear wins over faith. Or faith wins over fear. And it's very telling why the disciples are fearful. They know that Jesus can work miracles. They've just seen it. They've seen him heal the lame. Give sight to the blind. Give hearing to the deaf. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him do all of this. They know he's a miracle worker. But what they don't recognize is who he is. They don't recognize he's Messiah. They haven't put it together that when Jesus said let's go to the other side of the lake. That the son of God has to get there. He still has a work that he's going to do. He still has ministry that he's going to do. There's no way that the son of God is not going to make it to the other side of the lake. His ministry is not done. They're with the Son of God. And it's no mistake in the Old Testament, in Psalm 65 verses 5 through 7, Psalm 89 verse 9, we see that for the Old Testament believer, the seas, the ocean, was under the control of God Himself. In fact, I'll just read it quickly. Psalm 89 verse 9 says this. You rule the swallowing of the sea. When its waves rise you still them. And so here they are. They are fearful in the boat. The reason why they are fearful. Is they have lost sight of who they are with. In fact we see that in verse 27. It says the men were amazed. And said what kind of a man is this. They have according to Colossians 1. The creator of the universe in the boat with them. The one who spoke the universe into existence. And the creator of the universe. Who spoke the world into existence. With a word. In verse 26. Rebuked the winds and the sea. And it became perfectly calm why were they fearful because they forgot the one with whom they were in the boat in December I went out on one of my end of the season pheasant hunts actually I love hunting right at the end And I was with some buddies and we happened to be that day with the owner of the land. And we had had a good hunt and we were getting toward the end and there was a house kind of up on the hill. And as we were kind of coming toward the end of a field, this guy in the house stands out on his deck and just starts screaming at us. Now, I don't like that. It it makes me nervous. I don't like people yelling at me and this guy screaming at us. And right when he starts screaming, we're getting ready to go down into this really deep ravine and have to come back out um, in order to get back to the pickup. And so we go down into this ravine and we come back out and there's the guy in his pickup on the other side of the ravine. And you know how on the cartoons when smoke comes out of people's ears? I kind of think there was smoke coming out of this guy's ears. He was just getting ready to just scream at us and then i remembered something i'm with the owner of the land i'm with the landowner. owner i don't have to be fearful of this guy in fact i can kind of grin as i watch this unfold and so the guy gets out of his pickup and he slams the and he walks around and he starts yelling at us and then he sees this guy standing right next to me and he says, is that you Tom? And Tom says, yes. And the guy says, oh, I just wanted to make sure who was down here and he got back in his pickup and drove off. It was great. It was so great. You know, it was so great because I'm with the owner of the land. I'm with the guy who's in absolute authority and control is standing there right with me. There's no need for me to worry. There's no need for me to fret. There's no need for me to be anxious. I mean, the owner is with me. It was great. And so often in my life, the reason that fear wins out over faith is I forget who's with me. the disciples lost sight of who Jesus is. They lost sight of the fact that Messiah is not going to be destroyed in this storm. He's not done with his work. How can I have peace when following Jesus isn't early? By continuing to get glimpses into who he is. And, and for me... That just isn't once for all. I don't know about you all. But I have to continue to get more and more glimpses. It's a journey. It's so easy for us. To have our peace robbed. If you're a parent or a grandparent. You know what the greatest peace sucker is? Our kids. Oh my stars. Kids are peace suckers. And grandkids are peace suckers. And you think you get old enough that they wouldn't. But you never get old enough. They just suck all the peace right out of you. (laughs) Until we remember that. The one who is with us. And do you know that Jesus loves your children and grandchildren more than you do? We need to remind ourselves of that. Jesus loves your children and grandchildren more than you do. And the creator of the universe is going to continue his work in them. As he's promised in his word. And he'll continue his work in you. How do I get that fresh glimpse of Jesus Christ? A couple of things. One, the Christian life was never meant to be lived on an island We live the Christian life in community. That's why we stress so much here at Faith Bible Church. To be active in a ministry community. Meaning you're doing ministry with other people at Faith Bible Church. That can be there and encourage you. Or you're in a community group. Or you're in an ABF. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 talks about the need to spur each other on. To encourage each other. And then we do that in this book. It's the only book he ever wrote. And as we take it in. He reminds us. Of the one who is with us always. The landowner. Committed followers of Jesus. Must focus on who he is. To have peace on the journey.